The following program is sponsored by Channel Mom Media. The show made for moms and families. It's Channel Mom. My name is Jenny, and I'm a mom. But I once lived a more glamorous life as a TV reporter. I was on the nightly news interviewing pop stars and politicians. So when I left TV to become a full-time mother, I quickly found out what we moms are up against. Our world glorifies the rich and famous. For what? I say let's honor the moms who are raising this world's next generation. It's Channel Mom Radio with Jenny Dean Schmidt. We're here for you. Oh, yes, I do hope we are here for you today, and I hope what we're about to talk about will really help some moms and the dads that tune into us as well. It's a huge topic where people, I think, sort of feel like they need help and instruction on it. Some people think they've got it going on with, with the most of the parenting uh, issues. Uh, this one, I think, is one where a lot of people feel insecure, and that's my little tease. I'm not going to tell you what it is about yet, but stick around for that. Uh, I am Jenny Dinschmidt, and I do hope uh, that... You've tuned into Channel Mom because you've loved this show and you tune into it frequently. I gotta make a confession. I am being driven absolutely bonkers by making a murderer on Netflix. And I don't know if anybody else is watching it and please don't judge me if you think it's awful, but it's this 10 hour documentary, a real life story about a murder that happened in Wisconsin and kind of how the state and the local officials messed it up. Now, some people think you know, he, one person was wrongfully in prison for a long time and then sent back to prison. And some people think he was sent back to prison a second. Oh, my goodness. Just go look it up on Netflix, Making a Murderer. And it shows you how important family is. It's one of those shows that drives that home when things get messed up. So check it out. It's driving me nuts, <laughs> but it's worth watching. Secondly, I was I, I thought I'm going to share this morning what happened with me last night. Uh, my kids are teenagers now. I have a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. Uh, she, my daughter just joined the teenage ranks. And I'm one of those moms that's super sentimental. And I love motherhood. And I love raising children. And I love the privilege of shaping the next generation. And I'm one of those people who's a champion for moms and is constantly telling everybody, screaming at everybody about how important motherhood is and how we get it wrong in this society when we don't lift it up and explain to people that moms have the most important job because they're raising the next generation. And if they don't do it well, our planet is going to be in trouble. So I'm I'm very sentimental about my kids at each stage. And, and as they've grown older, I've been a little worried that I'll be less of a mom because they won't need me as much. But last night, it was the greatest thing ever. I do recommend this as your kids get into the teen years. They really just have decided that they would rather talk at about 11.45 p.m. That's about the time they are ready to talk. So I've learned to stay up and just prepare to talk with them. Now, I'm a snuggly mommy, and I like to snuggle. And I know you may think I shouldn't call myself a snuggler or a mommy when my kids are teenagers, but I'm still there. And both of my kids are pretty physical kids. And so after a while, we were both in the bed. My son was, like, trying to crush me and my daughter with his big, you know, football quarterback body. But I was in heaven because I thought my kids – still need me. They still want to talk. They still want to snuggle. They still want to get, you know, laugh and giggle and talk about stuff that is funny or fun and, and stuff that matters. And, oh, I just wish that for every mother of a teenager. Just take some time to say we can recapture uh, and we can continue to live the, the times of affection and intimacy and, and conversation and laughter 
Man, it's so important. And, and your kids will carry that on. And speaking of carrying on, that's what we're going to talk about today. I think that all over America, no matter where people are at when it comes to faith, and I'm really open to folks on this show who uh, are not in a faith walk. I, I mean, clearly we're on Christian radio, and, and I'm a Christian, and a number of Christians follow us. And I'm, you know, I love Jesus, and I make that very clear. However, I have a huge heart for people who aren't there yet. And I happen to think that what we're going to talk about today, about raising your kids to have faith in God, because a lot of people freak out about it, and we're going to talk about that particular issue. They either freak out to to the left or to the right in the sense that they are they're paralyzed and they don't know what to do and they don't do anything, or they leave it to somebody else, or they think it's not going to work. Once the child becomes a teenager, they're going to walk away anyway, or they overdo it. And and every day it's a scripture verse, and if they don't live it out right, they're grounded for the month. Uh, so it, it's, it's good stuff we're going to talk about. We've got some authors who are experts on it, and I hope that it will be a help to you because I know this is a struggle for a lot of parents. It makes them, well, afraid, frankly, because they, they, they want so badly if they have faith themselves to carry that over to their kids. And if they don't have faith, I watch these parents come to church uh, with their kids on Christmas and Easter because something deep down in them wants their kids to have some kind of a positive image of God. So it's important stuff. So that's what we're here today for you to help you with this. And by the way, just want you to know, 83% of Christians say that they became believers in Christ by the age of 14. So clearly what parents do for their kids in childhood is immensely important. And that is why we have invited Jim Burns and Jeremy Lee to be on the show today. They are the authors of Pass It On building a legacy of faith for your children through practical and memorable experiences. This is going to be a hands-on experience with uh, some takeaways to help you to see what you want to pass on to your kids. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about them, Jim is the president of Homeward, and Jeremy is the founder of parentministry.net. You can find about, out about them more at their websites, and we'll let them share that with you. And today they really are here to help you to learn about passing along faith to your children with very specific actions for each year of life. It's fascinating stuff. So, Jim and Jeremy, welcome to Channel Mom. Great to be with you, Jenny. And, uh, boy, you're in the midst of this with the age of your kids. Oh, <laughs> the teenage thing is a little bit scary. How old are your kids, Jeremy? Because you were just talking about your kids being home. Yep, I have a ten-year-old and a seven-year-old. Okay, so you're not you're not quite where I am. So we we can run the gamut between the three of us probably. Do you, where are your kids, Jim? They're in their twenties, and we always said raising teens. I know we're not just talking about teens, but it was part uh, joy and part guerrilla warfare. So yeah. that's what we did while our kids were were your. It age. does feel like guerrilla warfare. And next to me, I ha- I get a ton of books in the mail because people want us to put their books on the air. Sure. Um, I have a book called Five Reasons for Spiritual Apathy in Teens. And and uh, written by a couple and fascinating stuff there that they say you get the eye rolls, you get the you don't know anything, you get the whatevers, uh, rebellion, so on and so forth. And so, yes, definitely you were correct to say, Jim, that that in the teenage years, it gets a little more scary, Um, even though I've been teaching them this since they were babies. Will they walk away? So let's get right into it. Your first chapter, um, you you talk about the, the different reactions that parents have to the thought of giving their kids faith. And let's just be real. I think a lot of people aim to be parents. They love being parents. They, they enjoy their babies. And then when it gets to starting to train them up, 
a lot of the sort of less emotional things like, well, let's get them an education and let's um, teach them how to ride a bike and, and things like that uh, are less frightening. But when you th- they think about faith and how they're going to teach their child about God, they have some responses. And the two of you talk about it in the book. So let's start with you, Jeremy. What what are some of the responses that parents have on the issue of faith and raising their kids to have faith in God? Well, you know, uh, this this journey started for me because of 20 years of working with parents and ministries and schools and churches and things like that, after working with so many families, began to observe a real um, connection, which was that there was an intimidation when it came to this idea of spiritual things. I mean, just to be honest, I mean, they're a little freaked out by it. And just think about it this way. If we want our kids to be awesome athletes, that's pretty easy. We can get them into the best sports leagues, get them private coaching, those kind of different things. If we want them to be great in school with academics, same kind of thing. Let's get them in a great school. Let's get them tutors. What happens, though, if we want them to not be morally poor, if we want them to have a, a, a base of faith, and if we want to develop them in their soul, I, and we want to do what God asked us to do, which is to spiritually lead them, how do we do that, especially for a lot of parents when they're just trying to figure out how to spiritually lead themselves? Yeah, right. How in the world could they enter into leading someone else? There's a real fear that, just to be honest, I think you mentioned it earlier, it kind of paralyzes them. And so basically they just accept doing nothing. And uh, ultimately that leads the, the kids out. Yeah, and, and I want to get to Jim on this question, too. You you list five things that a parent can do, and I want you to expand on one or two of them. Uh, first of all, become paralyzed. Second of all, overcompensate and do more than they need to. Third of all, select a book, give it to their child, and, and hope they can figure it out. I mean, I mean, maybe children just get thrown the Bible. Uh, fourth, delegate the task to somebody else, like a Sunday school teacher. And finally, understand the vital roles that parents have in the life of their child and strategically pass on faith. My guess is that's your choice. So talk about that, Jim. Well, we're, of course, that is our choice. And yet, you know, the problem in America is this breathless pace in which we live our lives. I and mean, we're, we're overcommitted and underconnected, even the best of families. Yeah. I was in Denver Saturday uh, doing a, one of our parent uh, events. And I think these people really wanted to help their kids grow. They, they didn't know how they, they, I mean, again, they were just trying to get through, uh, you know, academics and get through, you know, whatever, uh, and whatever age. And so uh, what we felt was that, what we need to do is, is actually give the parents the courage to help their kids uh, grow spiritually. And, and what we found, Jenny, is that, uh, you know, kids are leaving the church like crazy as they get older, but kids who aren't are the kids who have faith conversations in the home. So when Jeremy, Jeremy and I started talking about it, we said, how do we do simple things that families can actually have fun with, enjoy, be inspired by, and, you know, keep their kids in faith? And, and that's why we came up with this this idea of pass it on it's not an it's not a new idea it's an old idea because even you know during the time of jesus there were rites of passages that were celebrated and so what we did is why don't we help parents on a yearly basis celebrate some of these rites of passages but that means have have these faith conversations with keeping in mind that they're the most influential um spiritual uh developers in 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 their kids life i mean we we don't want to just give it to the church we don't want to just give it to friends i mean we want to work together with those but yeah. but, but it's the parent absolutely uh, and, and, and in fact research shows 
uh, parents are also probably the other most frightening topic is the topic of sex. And parents avoid that as well because they think their kids won't listen. And research actually shows parents who will talk to their kids about the topic of sex are more likely to pass on their values. And the kids will actually kind of obey those values. They're less likely, you know, to to go out and sleep around, so to speak. And and amazing stuff. We do have to go to break. But when we come back, I want to let folks know that the authors of Pass It On are going to help us with specific steps for each year of life. Now, we won't go through all of them. Well, we'll we'll let you know how to pick up the book and find more instruction. But but in kindergarten and seventh grade and 11th grade and all these different instructions, what you should do for your child in each grade, really great little instruction book. Pass it on. We'll be right back with Jim Burns and Jeremy Lee right here on Channel Mom. Need an excuse to drive a few miles to a beautiful place with delicious food? Let me tell you about one of my favorite places to eat in Colorado. Down home, good cooking, old school, and family friendly, it's the Cutthroat Cafe. Chick Thomas is one of those guys who's created an eating establishment where customers feel like family. Nestled in Bailey, Colorado, next to a sparkling river and national forest, enjoy a getaway to the Cutthroat Cafe on your way to Breckenridge, just off Highway 285 in Bailey, Colorado. It's the event of all events. The cross at Calvary. Jesus died so you could live with him forever. Happy Easter from 94.7 KRKS. This is Jenny from Channel Mom, and if you'd like a savvy real estate tip for winter, listen to Michelle Walters. If you're thinking about buying a home, now is a great time to start. The Fed is probably going to raise interest rates continually over the next few months, so get that mortgage rate locked in now. Awesome advice. Hey, if you want to check out Michelle, go to SuburbanDenverProperties.com. That's SuburbanDenverProperties.com, where she makes it her mission to find you your real dream home. It's Channel Mom Radio with Jenny Dean Schmidt. We're here for you. Hey, welcome back to Channel Mom. I'm so glad to have you with us today. I hope this conversation is helping you. I do want to remind you that if you'd like some good old-fashioned yummy food as you're traveling up the mountain, uh, maybe to go skiing this winter, please stop by the wonderful old-fashioned Small Town Cafe, the Cutthroat Cafe in Bailey, Colorado, right off of 285, right across from the river, and uh, stop in and see my friend Chip and get a little lunch there. Okay, we are back with the authors of Pass It On, who are who are trying to help parents figure out how to raise their kids up in faith. And 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 some parents I know don't even feel like they're they're having a great faith walk themselves, or they've just come to being believers in Christ, or maybe they don't they don't believe at all, but they still want their kids to have a grounding in Christian faith and in 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 faith in God. Um, they run the gamut. But I'm going to give you a little a one or two statistics before we get back to Jim and Jeremy. First of all, 83% of all Christians make their commitment to Jesus between the ages of four and 14. So that tells you how important the parents instruction is uh, that 83% of people. And by the way, I'm one of those people that did not come to faith until I was about 35 years old. Um, so I bucked the trend. <laughs> but secondly, the new research is showing that the millennials, meaning the young adults, are less likely to identify as believers or having any kind of faith than any other preceding generation. It has gone down immensely. More people in that group now saying they're atheist or agnostic. 
So things are changing, and that makes this talk all the more urgent. So I welcome back Jim and Jeremy, the authors of Pass It On, Building a Legacy of Faith for Your Children Through Practical and Memorable Experiences. I know there are moms out there who want to do this well. Jeremy, let's get to you, since you have a 7-year-old and a 10-year-old. On In every chapter, you, you go kindergarten to 12th grade, and in each one you have a specific, you kind of describe where the child's at, and you say this is where, what your kindergarten kindergartner is feeling these are some of their emotional qualities and and so on and so forth and then you say this is our tip do this kind of an exercise with them um when they're in kindergarten to get them uh, on a faith walk and your kindergarten in uh, suggestion is an invitation to generosity then in second grade which i'm going to move to because you've got a seven-year-old you have another one and i'm just going to let you take that away jeremy what what describe how the chapter for the second grader is laid out so a mom can get an understanding of how she's going to be led through this book to give their her child an introduction to faith yeah one of the things i love about this book is it's not just a book that you read it's a book that you use we wanted it to be a lower shelf book that parents grab regularly each year so each year has a rite of passage or a shared spiritual experience that parents can lead their kids through so they can practice spiritual leadership. So in the second grade, it's uh, an invitation to the Bible. And so what we encourage parents to do is to buy a Bible and then take some time to let friends and family just uh, write notes in that Bible and mark their favorite Bible verse. And over time, it fills up with all the significant influences in the kid's life. I know we did this for our son took a couple of weeks and just, you know, friends and family, even their even their friends that were their age, we just just filled it up and it was highlighted with all these favorite Bible verses. And then one night at dinner, I just took some of the teachings that we used and taught my son about the importance of the Scripture and then handed him the Bible. Uh, it was real simple, but he was in awe of it. And that night when I was putting him to bed, he had grabbed that Bible and he was just, it was just so fulfilling to me because he was reading through and looking at all the different verses. He's like, hey, did you know that Uncle so-and-so, his favorite verse is this? And he was telling me everybody's favorite verses. What a great introduction to the Scripture. So that was really powerful for us and our family. Yeah, and in just a couple sentences, can you skip back to kindergarten? What is an invitation to generosity? What's the exercise you um, suggest to parents? For that, you let the kindergartner plan a family mission project. So it's really one of the first times the kindergartner is forced to recognize that there's things in this world that are broken and that need to be restored or fixed or helped. For my son, he came, uh, he was very, uh, he, he loves his doggy and blank, he still does. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so for him, he recognized somehow that there were kids in this world that didn't have doggies and blankies. So he took us to Walmart and we bought $400 worth of doggies and blankies and passed them out to kids in our community. So that was an amazing experience as well. And, it was so fun because it was driven by him and what he wanted from his heart. Yeah. And I want to take a brief break about the specifics of each year to just to get real for a minute. What about all the parents that are listening that feel up against it when it comes to our society, maybe with their own faith walk? Maybe they think, well, you know, half the time I'm not even sure if I'm still a Christian. Or my kids are hearing all different kinds of messages uh, on their iPhones and on the radio and um, at school and at, in movies. And, and I don't I don't know. And, and, and is it OK for me to kind of tell my child this is what they should believe? Is this wrong for me to be saying this is what, you know, mom and dad believe this is what you should believe? I mean, what about some of those struggles, Jim? What, what about the parent that's there and thinks, I, yes, I, my instinct is to teach my child about God, but I'm completely confused and I feel up against it when it comes to society? 
Yeah, I actually think most parents feel that way. I mean, Kathy and I felt that way, and you know, I've got a seminary degree, and there were moments where it was awkward, moments where we went, oh man, we just had a struggle here, and now we're doing it. I think you just, I think you do it. You know, the kids want authenticity, Jenny. They don't want, uh, you know, fake or preachy or luxury. They want people who are authentic. And you know, I think it's very possible for a parent to say, look, it, I don't have all this together, but we're going to explore this. And uh, here in second grade, we're going to hand you a Bible because you're just starting to read, and we want to read this Bible too because we haven't done as good a job. One of the reasons we have passion is because uh, it didn't, we didn't do this when we were in second grade. So here you go. Yeah. And what that shows is that shows that the parent cares deeply about you know this young person's spirituality. And as you said, you know kids are going to make commitments to God before age 14, 15. Um, or, you know, you're the abnormal one, you know, only literally only about 15 percent of you know, adults make those commitments. So, uh, you know, I think parents have to just invest in it and, and don't expect it to always be good. Um, sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's amazing. You know, when you do this, like what Jeremy was talking about with second grade. But, yeah. uh, you know, parents just try it. Just do it. And, right. and uh, what they'll see is they'll get confidence because their kids will engage and they'll say, well, this wasn't as hard as, uh, as I thought. Yeah. I mean, it, first of all, I want to speak to there. There is an instinct. I remember when I first started two two instincts. The parent has an instinct. I think just about every parent that I've ever met, with a, a few exceptions, really does want their child to believe in God because they think that's going to the, upgrade their value system. They think that's going to upgrade the quality of of their well being in their life. Um, so there's kind of this instinct. That's why they drag their kids to church on Christmas and Easter. And then secondly, there's an instinct in the child. If, if you don't bring it up, the child will when they're a second grader. The, you know, what about God? And I, I know my son used to love to talk about God back when he was in his car seat days and say, Mommy, can we have a talk about God? So there, there are instincts on both sides, which you're kind of furthering here through this book. Okay, so let's skip to eighth grade. There is uh, an eighth grade one that Jim wanted to touch on. Tell us about how you can keep your child or bring your child onto a faith path. And by the way, you can start this at any time. If you didn't start in kindergarten, then pick it up at eighth grade. What is the eighth grade suggestion, Jim? Well, the eighth grade suggestion is to do a purity code weekend. And, uh, you know, this gets – parents get nervous, Jenny, on this one because um, if, if I was asking a bunch of parents, how many of you receive good, positive, healthy sex education from your parents, you know, only a handful is going to raise their hand compared to the, to the crowd. Yeah. But as you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, uh, by far uh, – the more positive value-centered sex education kids receive from home, the less promiscuous they'll be. So Jeremy and I thought that eighth grade was the perfect year for, a, for parents to have an experience where they, you know, they walk through this idea of, of living with, with sexual purity, sexual integrity. And it's complicated today with all the things that are going on. But uh, we found, my wife and I found, that it was about eighth grade when our girls, actually for us it was even a little bit younger because we felt like we live in California. We thought, man, these kids need to hear this sooner. Yeah. Um, but we challenged our kids to live by what we call the purity code. It says, in honor of God, my family, and my future spouse, I commit to sexual purity. Now, you can't just say that. You've got to be able to back it up. And so, you know, we didn't do this just by having a one-shot conversation, but we did it by taking each of the girls away. Uh, we had conver- I have all daughters. So we, we took them away. We had conversation. And each conversation was different. Our, our oldest engaged, our uh, middle child said, uh, close this, but we were reading a book, close this book. This is totally inappropriate. Oh. And, and our other one just said, hey, my sister's already told me, but hey, I want to go on the trip with you. 
Oh, neat. That's wonderful. And, so, and, and you make it into an activity each time. We only have a couple of minutes left, but yeah, so I want to make sure. Only an activity. And, and we try to do this with all of these uh, pass-it-on experiences. Like you said, you can do it at different ages. But, you know, you, you give them a ceremony. You, you hand them a symbol. With our girls, we gave them a, a for this one, we gave them a purity ring because they wanted it, not because we shoved it on them. Yeah. So it, it's experiential. And so it's great for the parents. It's great for the kids. And it's something that's memorable for the rest of their life. Yeah, it creates a cherished memory, which which could yep. also allow that child when they're an adult to hold on to faith in a different way because of it. I'm just going to name a couple of them. In seventh grade, it's the blessing. And by the way, I give my child children a blessing almost every night. So I was glad to see that the blessing was included. That Yours is kind of a larger one. In 11th grade, it's the family tree. 12th grade is the manhood or womanhood ceremony. These are important things. And I know a lot of people are struggling because they think, I really do want my child to have a faith in God. I think it will buff, you know, help them uh, when they face adulthood and all of the challenges of adulthood. So I, I know that this book will be valuable. Jeremy, can you tell folks how they find you and how they find this book? Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. Parentministry.net is where they can find uh, some more information about what I do. That's more of a service for churches, but they're welcome to go and check that out. And then the book, uh, I've just been directing people to Amazon.com. You can find it there. Uh, I'm, I think you can find it on Jim's site, homeward.com, um, and most local bookstores are carrying it as well. So. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful. A couple last sentences just to urge parents on to do this. We just have a couple minutes, but a couple last sentences. I would say to parents, try it. You know, try and write a passage and, and see what happens. Watch their kids be excited about it, be engaged, and then, you know, it'll give you confidence to keep on moving on because we do care about their spiritual life just as much as we care about other parts and probably should care about the spiritual life more than than we do. And the future hangs in the balance. Wouldn't wouldn't you both agree? I mean, if we give up on this, more and more millennials and more and more folks after them are not going to have faith, and I think that's going to be harmful. I think it'll change the moral code of our country. Would you, just in a couple words, would you you agree, Jeremy? Well, it's, it's, it's been God's plan for generations, not just even now, that parents, the best case possible for faith to be passed down is from one generation to the other, from parents to children. It's been his plan all along. Yeah. And all we're trying to do is encourage and further that. Yeah, step by step. It's wonderful. Uh, so thank you so much for being on Channel Mom. Quickly, uh, Jim, what's your website so people can find you? It's homeword.com. Lots of great stuff for moms and dads. Uh, lots of free stuff. Lots of things to help them along their way of, uh, of parenting. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on Channel Mom. And have Thank a great week. And have a great weekend, everybody out there. Uh, check us out at ChannelMom.com and help us. We're on the air because of you. Push our donate button. We'd be blessed. Have a beautiful weekend. If you enjoy what you hear on Channel Mom Radio, and if you believe the media should be doing more to support moms and encourage families, then why don't you come alongside the efforts of Channel Mom? We'd like to offer you our partner package today. We'll send you a Channel Mom's Best Tips for Moms, as well as a beautiful bling t-shirt when you sign up to be a partnering monthly donor at ChannelMom.com. We live in a world that demeans the importance of moms and belittles the value of family. Research shows the family is breaking down in America. But Channel Mom aims to stop the family breakdown, starting with the moms. We depend on our donors to help us to put this show on the air, and to do outreach for mothers on the ground, supporting them in their parenting, marriages, addiction issues, and more. So become a Channel Mom partner today and be a part of the change you want to see for mothers and families. Just go to ChannelMom.com and click on Give to CM, and you'll see our Donate button there. From the moms at Channel Mom, thank you. And may God bless each mom and her family.